Hey, 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 this is Tiffany with Anointed Fire. I want to talk to you about how a system the narcissist creates ultimately ends up backfiring. And I'm talking about the parent. Um, and it can be seen in also romantic relationships, but typically in parental relationships. So I was sitting here, I'm in my house, it's the middle of the night, and I just was editing a customer's book and got up from the book. Now I'm throwing me some Roman noodles on, Raymond noodles, not Roman, Raymond noodles on, and that's neither here nor there. But I started having a series of thoughts about my family. And I started thinking, I don't know what provoked that thought, but I started thinking about a relative of mine and how she spoiled uh, her child. And I started thinking about the effects that it had on that child. And just a series of thoughts began to overflow. It was like heaven was explaining everything to me. So I want to share with you what God shared with me. Let's just pretend we're going to make up some characters. We're going to say there is a lady named Susan. Susan has a daughter and we'll call her Samantha. So you got Susan, the mother, and Samantha, the daughter. Forgive me, you probably hear the washing machine going in the background. But there's Susan, the mother, and Samantha, the daughter. Susan, the mother, or Susan, is broken. She has been developmentally stunted in her youth because of some trauma she's experienced. She's not a bad person necessarily, but, you know, she's had a fair share of trauma. And she didn't have anybody that helped to cover her to educate her or to help her to heal past those traumas. So they cause delays in her life. Susan grows up, becomes a woman, and Susan begins to have children. One of her children, again, is dear old Samantha. Susan says in her heart, you know, I was hurt. I've had people to walk away from me. I've had people to reject me. But you know something? I can control the trajectory of my relationships with my children so you know stanley there my oldest son i didn't raise him like i should have raised him because he's a little too independent he got too much of his own opinion and i'm not cool with that you know i can tell that you know he's gonna grow up at some point and he's gonna walk away you know he's gonna want to go live his own life because half of the time he's up in a in his room playing a video game or he's outside or he's asking to go over his friend's house. So Stanley's independent of me. My other son, Mark over here, even though he's a mama's boy, you know, he also he is relatively independent. But old Samantha here is just, you know, completely, she needs me. She's completely dependent upon me. She wants my affirmation. She wants this. Samantha's my baby. Samantha will never leave me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this child and I'm going to give her everything that her heart desires. I'm going to give her everything that she wants. I'm going to fix the child version of me and her. I'm going to create a relationship with her that is going to be so strong that it's going to be impenetrable. Like nobody that ever comes into her life will be as important of a fixture as I am. The person who is initiating this, you know, old Susan, what she's doing is she's assuming the role of everything in that child's life. 
when she makes that up in her mind, it's not necessarily the dialogue or the monologue she has going on in her mind. Um, but for the most part, it is something that goes on in her heart. So you'll start seeing that in how she treats her children. So you see with Samantha, she doesn't discipline Samantha too much. She gives Samantha all of her attention. She gives Samantha all of her affirmation or what have you. She does all of these things with Samantha. She doesn't allow Samantha to go through the changes like uh, to to develop into a healthy child and, you know, ultimately a healthy adult. Because, you know, there are things that children have to learn to work for, but she doesn't allow uh, Samantha to understand that, hey, you need to go work for this. So what the narcissist or the narcissistic individual is doing is passing that spirit or imparting that spirit into that particular child. So she doesn't allow Samantha to grow at the rate she should be growing at because she has it in her mind that, hey, this is my baby. This is my, 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 my baby, mine. That means possession. She sets herself up for the role of everything. In that particular child's life. She's that child's everything. She gives the child, you know, everything that she wants. But this ultimately backfires because when a child grows older, the child says within her own heart or Samantha says in her heart, you know, there's a need there. There's a void there because whenever we don't have God, that void is going to be there. And we're going to try to find out what to fill it with. And so we try to fill those voids with things and people. And so Samantha is going to come to realize that, hey, mommy's not enough. You know, while mama can, you know, feel so she put limitations on me, even though she give me a lot of what I want. There's a lot of things I want that she can't give to me. She can't afford to give them to me or what have you. So Samantha goes out there and, you know, she starts getting friends. Maybe she gets into drugs, alcohol. She's trying to fill a void. She's trying to fill a void because even though Susan has constructed or erected herself as her everything. Samantha has come to realize that everything is not enough. Her mother's attempt to be her everything doesn't even graze the surface of her voice. So she goes out there in the world and all she's ever known is adultery because the system that her mother brought her up in is an adulterous one. The mother was the everything she made herself an idol in that child's mind and in that child's life. So all Samantha knows is idolatry. All she knows how to do is to uh, get into relationships and then just make the person her everything. But the problem with this is that role has already been assumed. That role has already been assumed. So Samantha goes out there and, you know, she deals with a, a series of failed relationships and she experiences heartbreaks because she finds out in this world that there is a such thing as no. And people actually mean it. You know, there are people out there that don't care about her. She starts to realize that her mother was the only one who was willing to give her whatever it was that she wanted. And of course, she got fussed at and then she got a few no's here and there. But her mother was the only person in the world who was willing to just give her everything as long as she kept her mother as her everything. She goes out there. She deals with the heartbreaks of failed relationships. Her relationship with her mother, while she loves her mother to whatever extent she could love her mother, the reality of the matter is it's still not enough. 
because there's a void there. There's still not enough. She finds that when in relationships with men, when in relationships with men, she feels somewhat fulfilled, you know, because these guys can give her something her mother can't give her. And that is the touch of intimacy. And I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about there are certain things that a man can say to her that would just be abuse. <laughs> if, if, if mommy dearest said that to her, these guys can do things that mommy can't do. So the guy comes into the into Samantha's life. But the problem is Samantha already has an everything in place. She already has an everything in place. And the everything that's in place is not ready to be replaced. The everything that's already in place is not willing to be replaced because to her, she's invested all of her stock. She's invested everything that she is into the idea that she's going to have Samantha for the rest of her life. You know, she's invested, you know, Samantha, even if that means Samantha is manless and, you know, She's going to have Samantha for the rest of her life. Um, but Samantha, remember, she's been raised in idolatry. All she knows is idolatry. So when she goes out there and she gets in a relationship, chances are she's going to attract somebody that she has to worship, which a.k.a. is the narcissist himself. The narcissist himself. So. Samantha attracts the narcissist and the narcissist has to be your everything. They got to be a God in your life. Problem is Samantha already has an everything, but the narcissist creates a soul tie with Samantha, right? Creates a soul tie with Samantha, uh, gets her in what we call in love is just a spell. It's just witchcraft. You know, just saying all these nice words to her. It gets her to believe that, you know, hey, I got the key to your happiness in my hand. I got the key to your, like, it's all in me. Everything that you need is in me. But your mama in a way. Your mama keep interrupting. Your mama keep interfering. Because you got the mother over there whose place is now being threatened. You know, now she realizes that, hey, I may not have the grip on this child that I thought I did, you know, and she saw, you know, her daughter go through failed relationships before and go through relationships before and they've all failed. So she wasn't at all alarmed when this guy came along. She didn't think he would have any power, or any bearing. Uh, but then over time, he continued to, you know, grow in strength in the relationship. He kind of moved pretty fast and, you know, one day, the mother comes, you know, Susan comes up and there she challenges Samantha. She's like, I don't like this dude. She says something. And, you know, because she realizes that, hey, he has more of a grip on her daughter than any other guy has ever had on her daughter. And she says, hey, you know, I don't want you with this guy. Or she says something negative. And how does Samantha respond? She blows up. She blows up. You know, she makes it clear to her mother, like, hey, listen. You know, I don't get into your relationships. Don't be trying to get into mine. This, that, this, that, and the other. Oh, hey, what Samantha is now doing is what I call the sacrifice. Anytime you have an idol, anytime you have 
a god or a deity that you are worshiping. You have to give sacrifices to that idol. And it's not just necessarily an idol that you, you know, erect somewhere and bow down to. Anything you place before God, anything you make into your everything is going to be an idol. And you have to make sacrifices to that thing. So instinctively, because Samantha has been raised in a world of idolatry, instinctively, she knows to give up a sacrifice. And she has to give a big sacrifice, you know, because she's dealing with a narcissist. And he's trying to get into the position of everything but there's somebody blocking him. There's somebody in his way. And that person, you know, has too much voice, too much influence or what have you. And he's trying to get that person to bow down or bow out. He's trying to get that person to bow down or bow, bow out. <sighs> Susan is not willing to back down. You know, she's put in 20 years, 30 years or what have you of, um, uh, of, of, of getting her child into that headspace. You know, it can be a male's child as well. Most of the times it's a male. But she's put all that time and effort into getting that child into that headspace only to find her relationship, you know, her position threatened in that child's life. Child knows instinctively, you know, has grown up in idolatry, instinctively knows, hey, I got to give up a sacrifice, especially when the relationship between her and the narcissist, and we'll just say his name is uh, Jack. Between her and Jack begins to fail. And she realizes that Jack is checking out of the relationship because this is how narcissists control, you know, their victims. She realizes that, hey, I've given him sex. I've bought him things. I've, I've, I've confessed. Up. I've done everything. I don't know what else to give this dude. He will... um Basically tell her now. So your problem is you let your mama do this. You let your mama do that. You let your mama do this. You let your mama do that. So the next time the mother has a discussion with the daughter, the daughter blows up at the mother. She goes off. She's like, listen, I, I don't get into your relationships. You need to stay out. Of, if you want me to keep coming around, you know, you need to stay out of my business. This, that, this, that, and the other. Susan is shocked. Because this is a child she's giving everything to. You know, it was all or nothing. You know, it, she didn't care what nobody said. And now this child is, she sees, this child is put, placing her on an altar. And ready to sacrifice her. And she's like, nah, you wouldn't do that to me because <laughs> we better than that. Like, I, you know, all the things I did for you in your life, come on. We're better than that. You, you, you could not possibly think that this is okay. Then the child cuts her. Now, the child's not willing to fully make the sacrifice initially because the child comes to understand that, hey, I'm going to need mama. And I have dealt with some failed relationships, so I don't want to completely annihilate my relationship with my mother. Uh, but at least if I cut her, I can come and I can show the blood. I can come back and I can show the blood. So she goes off on her mother, you know, acts real crazy toward her mother. Goes and calls up Jack. Jack don't want to answer the phone. She texts Jack. She said, hey, uh, I know you're mad at me, but I really need to talk. To, uh, I need someone to talk to. I just had a blowout fight with my mother. What is she doing? She's telling Jack I have blood. I have made a sacrifice. I'm, I'm now willing to make to give you the spot of everything. I've, I've cut my mother. 
I, I think I got her in place. I think I got her uh, to understand or what have you. So Jack calls back because, you know, he's a narcissist. And if he's going to get the position of everything, he wants to hear a little bit more about it. So he's like, hey, what's up? She says, yeah. Um, he says, what do you want? She says, can we go get a, a room or something? You know, can we go? Because, you know, I'm just not feeling my happiest right now. You know, me and my mom, we had this big old fight. And he says, all right, I'll go rent a hotel room or what have you. Because what he wants to do, he wants to see how much blood she got. She comes into the hotel room and she shows, you know, she's like, yeah, uh, we were arguing about this. Then she said this about you. And like I always try to tell you, you may not like my mama, but I got your back, you know. And so she just shows him the knife. Yeah, she says, you know, you look at this knife. And of course, this is it's just a proverbial knife, guys. Uh, but she says, look at the knife. And he looks and there's a little bit of blood. It's not a significant amount, but it's enough to let him know she's willing to go an extra mile. But he knows that, hey, I'm going to need her to take that knife and jab it into her mother's heart a little bit deeper. I'm going to need her to do a little bit more damage than that. But the fact that she's willing, the fact that she went this far shows me that she has potential to, to worship me and to do as I say. So he gives her a good night, you know, at the hotel. When I say good night, I'm just talking about sex. Um, he gives her a little bit of fun with him or what have you. And they continue on in their relationship. Well, oh, Susan is still used to being everything. Even though she's cut, she feels betrayed. She's angry. Um, she's frustrated. But you know what? She's determined to reclaim her position. Because believe it or not, it's a spiritual fight. She's uh, determined to reclaim her position. She feels that, oh, um, Jack got her... her her daughter under a spell, or what have you, and now she gotta, you know, win her daughter back, or what have you. She gotta get her daughter to sober up and open her eyes and all of that stuff. So she goes on a smear campaign. You know, she she talks about Jack and the mother does. She talks about Jack and how awful of a person he is. She tells everybody what she knows about Jack. Maybe even adds a few details up in there to make Jack. You know, even worse than he already is. Even though he may be already a horrible character, you know, you don't really have to add anything to the story. But she does it because at this point her position is threatened. And she needs help to reclaim her spot. She's desperate. This is no ordinary fight. Because she's invested everything that she has. Now she has other children. But she didn't invest in them like that. They out there living their lives. You know, they didn't went to college. They ain't got a relationship. Um, and in many cases, she's shown in the not-so-nice side of herself, you know. So she can't get them. She can't uh, control them. I'm trying to put this light bulb in here. She can't do certain things with them. So it's all or nothing with old Samantha. So she tries to get as many people involved as possible, try to get people to talk to Samantha, you know, she tries to do anything and everything to get her daughter back. Because in her mind, this was supposed to be for life. In her mind, this was supposed to be, you know, I got your back forever, you got my back forever. Even though, you know, 
if I get in a relationship, he gonna come before you. You you can't do that with me because you know I'm a mom. But old Samantha has what we call her nose is wide open. Her adultery has been inflamed and fed all the more. This man has he's you know said all these words to her. He got her all you know. Just believing that a world with him, a life with him, would be the world. Like, it would be the euphoric event that she's been waiting for her entire life. And that, you know, her mother is robbing her of that. Maybe her mother's jealous of her, you know. Whatever it is, he just, you know, he convinces her that, hey, you want to have a nice relationship with me, your mother. And so then... He also begins to look at the other fixtures in her life. This is what narcissists do. He starts looking at the other fixtures that are in her life who have a credible voice. He notices that best friend that she listens to. He notices the different people. So he has to create a smear campaign against them or what have you. So he starts to annihilate them one by one. You know, he says, yeah, your friend jealous of you, your friend this. And the friend notices that he's not a good person, you know. So the friend, having been a friend for many years, starts to say, hey, I think you should get rid of this dude. This guy's not a good guy. He's crazy. He's this. He's that. But remember, Samantha has been bought up in idolatry, and she knows the art of sacrifice. She knows what she has to do. So she tries to hold on to that friend because believe it or not, women like that, they do, they do have, they do value a relationship somewhat because they know that, Hey, I'm going to need this person at some point. Not that they value the person, but they value the relationship. <laughs> um, so she's not willing to get rid of her friend, right? Because she realizes that, Hey, if I let this guy, um, completely remove my friend and who I'm going to turn to like when he acting up who I'm going to turn to when you know I need somebody to talk to or what have you so she starts off you know trying to annihilate little small friends or people that are not, not that important she comes back she shows a bloody knife to him she says see um, I got into it with um, Janice today Janice said this about you I got into it with Janice today and I cussed her out. I told her, you know, this, and I told her that. And then I told her not to call me anymore. Every deity has the ability to accept or reject a sacrifice. He rejects the sacrifice. How does he do that? He said, man, anybody trying to hear that? Because he realizes, he realizes it's a small sacrifice. It's a small sacrifice. Sometimes he may accept it, you know, reward her. To let her know, you see what happens. You know, you give her a happy ending that night um, to show her. You see what happens whenever you do uh, these things. You know, this is all. I, this is what I be fighting for. This is what I be arguing about. You know, this is the stuff that I'm trying to tell you. If you would just do this, you know, this kind of stuff, you and I, we'd be all right. Well, now with that friend gone, she tries to. You know, sometimes she'll try to re- resurrect that friendship. Albeit in secret, but the friendship is dead because the other girl's gonna realize that hey, I've become your secret friend. I'm not. I ain't doing this. 
So he sits back. Um, and once he's ready for her to make another sacrifice, he's a narcissist. This is all spiritual, guys. Once he's ready for her to make another sacrifice, you know, he begins to complain about her friends again or what have you. But his main target is Susan. His main target is Susan. And anybody else who may have any type of major voice in her life, like any other dude, you know. But Susan is his main target. Susan is the one that he really wants to remove from the picture. You know, at least he wants to destroy the relationship to the point where they're not on speaking terms or Samantha at least discredits Susan's voice. Like, she don't listen to anything Susan has to say. But you, but you got to remember, Susan created that monster. Susan raised her that way. Susan raised her out of her own deficiency. She raised her, you know, so that she would need her for the rest of her life. She raised her daughter that way. And now here's this guy who's benefiting from that system. Here, here's this guy who's, you know, saying, hey, I can take it one up. I can, you know. And so... She tries because she's trying not to have to give up her mother because she realized, hey, this mom, this is different. You know, sorry, guys, I'm trying to get this light bulb out the package, and that's what y'all hear me struggling with. I don't want to have to give up mama. Can we just figure out a way where y'all can get along? Or he says, no, nah, because she always coming at me. She always saying this about me. Hey, I ain't coming over there, I, you know. Yeah, you, no, I, I just don't know if I can be with a woman, you know, that, you know, you, you sit up here, you running up behind your mama, or what happened? He's trying to get that ultimate sacrifice, get that one person that's protecting her out of the way so that he can finally have his way. Sorry, but this life will end. But Samantha's not willing initially to make that sacrifice. It's a major sacrifice. This is something that, you know, you, you just, yeah, it's kind of hard to take that back, even though your mother can be, you know, relatively forgiving. Um, it can break the trust. You know, it can permanently damage the trust. And if it doesn't work with this guy, you know, it, it could have done uh, great damage to the mother-daughter daughter relationship. So Samantha says, hey, I'll talk to her. Um, you know, Samantha cuts at her mother a couple of times and shows him the knife. Say, hey, we had an argument again. You see this and you see that. And many times he rewards her um, for doing that. Then he requires more and more blood until eventually he convinces Samantha, hey, it's me or your mom. And typically what happens in these type of situations, the way that he initiates that is through the technology of another woman. He goes out there and he starts having an affair or he does something that, you know, is just, it's a fatal blow or a near fatal blow to the relationship. And it's something that Samantha's not ready for. She, it, it, ter- it terrifies her. It, 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 what is that word? Right, it terrifies her. We'll just say it, 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 it it completely makes her feel like her world is coming to a halt because to coming to a halt because all she's ever known is idolatry. All she's ever known is how to make a god out of somebody. That's all she's ever known. 
And now all of a sudden, this God that she has given her heart and her body to, she's given all of this to, is ready to relinquish his spot. And it's all because, uh, according to him, she ain't got her mama in place. You know, her mama keep, because he's trying to get into the role of everything. And mama's in the way. So, Samantha, in many cases, she goes ahead and she makes a sacrifice. And it doesn't mean that she cuts her mother off completely. She may do something that her mother never thought she'd do before. You know, she can kind of get away from her mother. She's not coming around as much. Oh, what happened? She's not coming around as much. Um, And right then and there, it leaves the mother at a space where she literally has nothing. Because while trying to get her daughter to make her into her everything, her daughter also became her everything. Her daughter also became her everything. And when the daughter walked away, she had nothing left. When the daughter walked away, she had nothing left. And when she had nothing left, she just didn't care. She didn't know what to do because she sacrificed relationships herself. She'd done a lot, you know, because she, she genuinely believed that everything was going to come back full circle through Samantha. And let's not just use Samantha. Like I said, in most cases, you see um, mother-son relationships that are like that, where the mother will idolize her son and cause her son to idolize her and will raise her son in such a way where she gives him everything. She causes him to not develop into a man, even though he, de- he develops physically into a man, mentally and emotionally. He's developmentally delayed. He is still a child. And consequently, even though he looks like a man, he sounds like a man. He may even get a job from time to time. For the most part, guys like that, they don't even really want to work. He still relies on his mother. He needs his mother. Even though his mother can be condescending at times, his mother can be this way or that way. All too often, the mother pacifies that or makes it better by showing him, because he's the golden child, showing him that, hey, you're my favorite child. So by sacrificing her other children, you know, by um, not necessarily embracing her other children the way that she's embraced him, by always favoring him over her other children and not even hiding it. She demonstrates to him what she hopes one day he'll do for her. She demonstrates to him for him what one day she hopes he'll do for her. And that is when he gets into a, an important relationship that he will place his mother above that woman. And there are a lot of guys who do. A lot of women who do. You know, they will place uh, their mother above the other person. Um, I've come to, you know, that's just the system of idolatry. Um, and in some cases, that's, when you talk about narcissism, you talk about the Jezebel spirit. Um, in some cases, in many cases, it only takes that person to finally meet somebody who has a spirit or Jezebel spirit who outranks the one that's in a mother. 
that has a Jezebel spirit that are ranks one that is in the mother. And in that particular case, you know, he comes across a female who is relatively narcissistic and, you know, she's beautiful, she's insecure, and she's conceited. You can be insecure and conceited. You know, matter of fact, conceit is the result of my insecurity. Conceit is just you placing faith in a certain aspect of uh, of your being. <laughs> Sorry. is like placing faith in the fact that you have a big butt. Or placing faith in the fact that you have um, a certain complexion or something like that. But this girl brings him under a spell. And she begins to complain. She says, hey. I'm not about to take all these jams from your mom. <laughs> you know, every time I go around there, she always taking jams because, you know, the mother has been his everything his entire life. And now there's somebody trying to take her spot. Again, this is a spiritual fight. There's somebody trying to take her spot. So even though the mother has successfully destroyed relationships before, you know, he, he's dated women before and the mother has come and chased them off and he let them because those women weren't that big of a deal to him. He gets into this particular relationship and there's something about this specific girl that's irresistible. She has the same spirit. It's just an upgraded form. There's something about this particular girl that's completely irresistible. There's something about this particular girl that has his nose wide open. And he tries to find some type of balance. He tries to find a way to help her and his mother get along. He tries to find some type of way to give his mother what she wants so he can continue getting what he wants from her. All the while, you know, pacifying that girl. But Mama Dearest won't let it. She's been his everything his entire life. And she's made him into her everything. You know, she's sacrifice relationships she's done a lot and so now to watch this girl come in and the only claim to fame that she has is a big butt <laughs> you know to watch this take place oftentimes the mother is prideful broken and even insulted at the idea of losing to somebody just because that girl's got curves you know just because she's got curves and you know, she knows what to say or what have you. The mother's like, yo. <laughs> you know, um, I know. You know, because like I said, in times past, she's uh, been able to successfully chase away women. In times past, she's been able to, you know, exalt herself and show every female that has come into her son's life, even Women he may potentially have children with. But to show them that, hey, she's mom and her, her position is secure. You know, and look, I, I just disrespected you. You know, what have you. And so she just demonstrates that time and time again. But with this particular girl, it's not working. With this particular girl, first he tries to draw a line. He keeps trying to fix it. But there is no fixing it because you're dealing with spirits. You can't fix that. So he comes to the realization that I'm literally being forced to choose between my girl and my mom. And it's not my girl that's trying to force me to choose or not. Put, she, she may be telling me, 
But it's my mom who's tossing me into this position because she keep treating the girl this way. She keep acting up. She keep doing this. I keep telling her to stop, but she won't stop. So the girl, she just sits back and she says, look, I think you need to go, you know, because I can't do no mama's boy. I don't fool with no mama's boys. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think you need to go home to your mama because I'm not the one. You need to go home and work that out with your mama. Uh, because what I'm not about to do is sit here and be, you know, ridiculed or harassed or whatever by your mama. So, yeah, you need to go home, fix that, and call me back when you, you grow your set. This is just how those type of women are going to talk to a guy. He realizes, I have to take that knife. I got to show some blood. I got to show some blood. I got to take that knife, and I'm going to have to put it to mama. I had to take that knife. I got to put it to mama. So he goes, and, you know, he cuts. He, he does damage to his relationship with his mother. And when he does that, it's a little satisfying. It shows the girl that, hey, look, he is willing to fight for y'all. And, you know, she thinks in many cases this is enough to get his mother to kind of back down. You know, because for the girl, you know, it's, it's, for both women, it's a spiritual fight. But for both women, it's all about women, winning. So she kind of feels like, nah, nah. Like I told you, if you want your son, if you want to have a relationship with your son, you better embrace the fact that I am in his life. Otherwise, you're just going to lose your son. And the mother has that same attitude. Like, if you want to be with my son, because both of them are narcissistic or they may be narcissists, uh, but both of them are battling it out for the position of power and control over this guy. And both of them are claiming him because this is what narcissists do. They objectify people. He's an object. He's an object. His, his feelings are not considered. What he wants is not considered. What he desires is not considered. In that moment, both of those women are going to make that fight all about them. They make that fight all about them. It's all about winning. It's all about proving to the other person, look, I'm, look, I'm his mama. I will always be his mama. I didn't see Women like you come and go. You a dime a dozen, you know. And the girl is like, look, I eat women for, like you for breakfast, you know. So if you want a relationship with your son. Sorry. If you want a relationship with your son, then, hey, you better start trying to show some respect over here. And then in many cases, what happens is um, a child comes into the picture. The, the girl may have a. A child with the guy and what have you. And, you know, some cases he's going to choose his mother because he feels like he secured the girl. You know, he'll be like, hey, you know, threaten to make her a single mother. Um, if he chooses his mother over the girl, what uh, then happens is the mother starts wanting possession of the child that he has with the girl. Because the child represents a measure of control over him. And, you know, it's another somebody that she can raise to idolize her as well. It's not a love thing. It's a control thing. She begins to want. And, you know, and at the same time, it's a vengeance thing. You took my son from me, you know, and you, you took me through all this hell. And I'm going to take your son from you. And not only am I going to take him from you, I'm going to raise him up 
to see you as crap. I'm going to raise him up to see you the way you caused my son to see me. So you have the mother-in-law. That's if that's if the son ends up siding with the mother. In many of these cases, you will see the son side with the mother after a child has been born into the equation because he then know, knows or believes that his girl is stuck. <laughs> She's stuck with him, you know. She can't go nowhere. You know, even though even if they break up, she's stuck with him. Um, in some cases, the girl may call his bluff and walk away from the relationship. Um, being a junior narcissist himself, what he'll do is he'll oftentimes allow her to walk away, let his mama hook him up with somebody else, go out there, and he'll try to fill the void um, of that girl in his life. But the power that she has over him was underestimated by him and the mother in some cases. And he may um, try to resolve that relationship or reconcile that relationship. Sorry, we're here cutting these pieces. He may try to, re to um, reconcile that relationship. The Bible says this, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it goes looking for rest. It goes to dry places looking for rest. But finally, it says, I will go back to the place from where I came. So if he lets this woman back in his life, those spirits are going to be seven times worse. He lets this woman back in his life. Now, not saying that he has a favorable position on either side, because he really doesn't. But he lets that woman back in his life, which in many cases he will because he's got a child. In many cases, what's going to then happen is she's going to set the terms for that relationship because she now has something on her side that she's never had on her side. And that is allowing him to spend time without her. Allowing him to... Sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry. But allowing him to experience life without her. Allowing him to experience those heightened emotions of knowing that she's in a relationship with somebody else. Allowing him to experience all of the pain from all of these events. And even just showing him that she is willing to move on. You know? And so in a lot of cases, that can be enough to make him, you know, uh, finally sacrifice his mother. Or his relationship with his mother. It's not, when I say sacrifice the relationship with the mother, I'm not saying that he ends his relationship with his mother in entirety. I am saying that he does uh, he, he gives the relationship with his mother a near fatal blow. Like his own life support. It's that bad. It, it's so bad that him and his mother, they're not the same anymore. Their relationship is not the same anymore. And so he may get, she may come back into his life and get take possession of him because he what he doesn't realize the whole time while he's in the middle of this fight he's not loved he's an object when you're dealing with narcissism you're dealing with narcissist, narcissistic people they can only objectify because they don't have the ability to love other people a lot of people don't want to hear that because they find themselves in relationships with narcissists and 
they genuinely want to believe that the narcissist has some some measure of love for them, and they just don't. So he um, gets to the point um, where he sacrifices his relationship with his mother, or nearly sacrifices, and he does enough damage to it, where he puts space, but he moves in with his new girl, maybe he marries the girl, has more children, and they move away from the mother, or what have you, and that, that deals a major blow to his relationship with his mother, and then he starts setting boundaries on his mother, uh, against his mother, what have you, and that does a lot of damage, because while teaching him to make her into his everything, he became her everything, even though she had other kids, he became her everything, that doesn't make deals a major blow, and then in many cases, the girl doesn't win, right? Many cases, the mother takes the victory because he's a mama's boy, and he has experienced the loss of a relationship before, so he's not willing to damage his relationship or deal a near fatal blow or even a fatal blow to his relationship with his mother for no female. Because, and when I say female, I'm not saying that in a condescending way. I'm saying it in a way that he would say it. But he's not willing to do that over no woman. Because in his mind, women are no good because that's what his mama put up there. That the woman going to come along, okay, you just keep being stupid for these women. And you just watch what they did. You remember what happened when you were with uh, that girl. What's her name again? Amy. When you were with Amy, you, you were acting stupid. Amy had your nose wide open. And then look what Amy did. Went out there, cheated on you with your first cousin. And then left you behind. Come to find out. Amy was out there. The mother would utilize those reminders, you know, to... Sh- basically get him to objectify women to not see the individuality in each woman but to instead objectify the female and to look and say yeah you're right this girl gonna do the same to me and so I don't need to be stupid so many cases he will say hey that's my mama you shut up you don't talk to my mama like that and he'll let the girl go ahead and leave um, he'll let the girl go ahead and leave and they end up having a real nasty breakup and constantly in and out of court or what have you. And then the mother starts trying to take possession of the child, um, that they have, if they have a child together, the mother starts trying to take possession of the child because the child is an object. Um, the child is someone else that can worship her. And the child is the last bearing of power that the other female has over her son. So she starts trying to take possession of the child, starts calling the mother, unfit you know typically in many cases she'll try to act like she's getting along with the mother and um she'll try to you know have some type of amicable amicable uh conversation with the girl and what have you just to draw her in um only to come back and stab her in the back you know because she's trying to find some area in that that the girl's life where she's not fit maybe she's going to the club you know, maybe she's got guys coming in and out of her house or what have you. She tries to find some level or some way uh, that the girl is unfit. And many mothers like that, what they do is they learn the law that, you know, the, if the father's name is on the birth certificate, the police cannot uh, tell the father to give the, the son or the daughter back to the mother. Even if, you know, he didn't pick up the child for the weekend. That's a civil matter. So police can't get involved unless there are papers involved, unless there uh, are papers that say mother has custody or father has custody. So in situations like that, you know, police can show up, but they're going to say it's a civil matter. 
So the mother, you know, convinces the son, hey, this girl, she's stupid. She got all these men around this child. She does this and she does that. You know, and the mother begins to spoil her grandbaby. When I say spoil, a lot of times when we hear the word spoil, sorry guys, I'm washing my hands. A lot of times when we hear the word spoil, we automatically think that that means that the person is being good. No, they're damaging the child. We automatically think that they're giving the child what they want. Yeah, they may be giving the child what they want, but they're not giving the child what they need. They're damaging the child because the grandmother in that instance, she wants the favor of that child. She wants that child to prefer <laughs> to be in her custody. She wants that child to, you know, cry if the mother tries to uh, take possession of the child or what have you, or reclaim possession of the child. So she takes the child to McDonald's, to Disney World. She does all these amazing things for the child. And it's not because she loves the child. All of this is centered around her desire to win custody of the child. You know, to win favor with the child. Um, in most cases, the mother is able to regain custody. In most cases, the mother is able to regain custody because she'll go up to the school. She'll do something. She'll find a way to regain custody. Um, in some cases, she has to go to court. And the court will grant her temporary custody until... You know, the hearing, like, uh, child custody, the formal child custody hearing or what have you. And then in many cases, the mother will get full-time custody, full-term custody of the child. The grandmother loses. And that's when she puts back on her mask and says, well, we got to figure out a way. You know, and so she tries to get along with the mother in hopes that, the you know, she can sway the mother into thinking, hey, look, I'm not your enemy let's just help let me help you with this child i know you like to go to the club so i'll babysit for you or what have you but she's still looking for an opportunity to um squeeze this girl out of her child's life and in many cases what she'll do is she'll utilize that girl in the guy's next relationship she'll utilize that girl in the, in the, in the guy's next relationship what that means is you know she'll partner up with the girl so this girl that she took through hell this girl that she's talked about this girl that she's hated all of a sudden she'll act like she loves her you know and in some cases if the girl is just as messy as the mother they'll become best friends they'll become best friends when he goes out and he gets into another relationship with somebody who could potentially challenge his mother's position if the mother feels hurt now if she don't feel her position is challenged she's not even worried about the girl you know she will utilize the girl's relationship with her son to extract what she wants from the girl you know um let her know that you know yeah he had a relationship and these girls i'll be trying to tell them but if he comes across a female who basically you know shares with him or shows him hey i don't care about having a relationship with your mama at the end of the day you better get your mama under control and the mother realizes her position is yet threatened again she will then go and partner with the former girl if she can and um in an attempt to remove that particular girl she'll try to become best friends 
with her so she can learn and it's a sick thing learn more about her son you know romance romantically because you know that's the side of her son she may not have seen hopefully she hasn't seen but um also so that she can make the other girl jealous you know so when the girl comes over to the house the ex-girlfriend is there and you know that's a that's a hard thing for your mother-in-law your potential mother-in-law to reject you but to be accepting of the ex especially an ex that you've heard you know so much about and what have you and the mother-in-law is just basically trying to sell the idea that the son and the baby's mother will eventually get back together you know you just a temporary fixture in his life have fun with him right now but you know and if she does successfully run the other female off she'll go and chase off the baby's mother as well you know that is unless you know if the baby's mother has a hate for the guy she'll keep her around because she's not a threat but if she senses even remotely a sign that the young woman still wants her son and she senses that the son still um, idolizes even even remotely idolizes that woman she will chase her out again she just utilize her to destroy relationships I said this I'm gonna get ready to close I've said that to women who they like, oh, his mama loved me. And I'm like, well, yeah. And you know, she, she hate the girl. And I'm like, well, is this something that, but you know, uh, she, uh, she loved, well, no, when they say she loved me, but she hate his cur current girlfriend or what have you. I'm just like, no, baby, you're a weapon. You're being weaponized um, to help her regain, to regain her spot as uh everything in his life once her spot is secured you'll be dismissed that's how that works so these are just late night thoughts of tiffany hopefully this blessed you um we gotta get close out so i can eat love you we'll talk soon bye bye